We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for November 30th, 2014. And today going to be covering kind of a myriad of different uh, subjects. But to start us out, um, just some verses on Thanksgiving regarding you know this time of year. And just some Bible verses that literally mention the specific word of thanksgiving. So in Leviticus 22.29, it says, And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. So, thanksgiving is a sacrifice. It doesn't seem like, like as far as much of a sacrifice regarding, oh, it's so hard to do, um, but... The Bible does refer to it as a sacrifice of, of thanksgiving and um, uh, to be offered at your own will. Uh, so, in other words, it needs to be not false thanksgiving, but thanksgiving that is um, generally um, heartfelt, you know, sincere. I, I think that's the, the point they're trying to make there. Psalm 26, verse 7 says, that I may publish the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Um, so being thankful, I think, is also in conjunction with oh, expressing what the Lord's done for you. You know, obviously that would go hand in hand. Psalm 54 or 50, 14 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay, pay thy vows unto the Most High. Now, the Bible also mentions in Romans 1 that one of the first things that go when ultimately you end up being turned over to a reprobate mind, one of the first things that happens is that the Bible talks about that neither were they thankful. And it's a very slippery slope once you start to become unthankful for the things the Lord has done for you. Um, that's, I think, the, the point there. So, thanksgiving is super important uh, regarding, I really believe, salvation, maintaining faith, um, not being turned over to a reprobate mind, uh, these types of things. So, let's go further. Psalm 95, 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. So, the psalms of the Bible is what they're in reference to here. So, um, there's more instruction there regarding thanksgiving. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, referring to God. So, they're basically instructing here in Psalm 100 verse 4 that coming to God, and I really believe this in prayer, really in any way, shape, or form, coming to God, you need to do so with thanksgiving. Um, meaning, most likely, if you don't come to Him in a spirit of thanksgiving, most likely you're not going to get your prayers heard as well. You know, if you're ungrateful coming to God, and let's just flip it, if you're ungrateful going to God, it's doubtful he's going to want to really hear a whole lot of what you're going to say. So, 
that's what I think, um, if, if you look at Psalm 100, 100, verse 4, where it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So, I, I think that's what they're in reference to there. Psalm 116, verse 17, I will offer unto thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. Now, what that means is it doesn't mean you're careful about anything. It means be full of care. In the in the context of the um, King James Bible, that's what that word means. When it says be careful for nothing, it, is, it means be full of care for nothing. Meaning, you don't be preoccupied and um, uh, worrying and, and fretting and, you know, these type, types of things. So be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and, su- with, and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So now we're, we're, as I said before, now they're interlinking prayer and supplication, in that regard, kind of the same thing, with thanksgiving. And that's how we need to make our requests be made known unto God. So, there may be those of you out there that didn't know this, that, that knowing that we need to go to God with a thankful heart, primarily, that's like the foundation of how you approach God, with a thankful heart. And if you think about it, if you're thankful, if you go to Him in a spirit of thanksgiving, typically that's also going to humble you, because when you start to really think about all the things the Lord's done for you, and the fact that you're not in hell, you know, burning forever, <laughs> and me, like, personally knowing that that's where I, you know, really deserve to be, um, that by itself should be enough to make you extremely thankful. Because no matter what you're really going through on this earth, compared to hell, there is no comparison. So if you just think on that alone, it's enough to put you in, into a thankful type of of attitude. And I'm not saying I'm saying this like I'm always perfect, because I'm sure not. But but just to to um, something to think about to put you in a, in a like a spirit of thankfulness to approach the Lord. Um, just something to think about there. So then Colossians two seven rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith the faith in Jesus Christ, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So it's, it's a byproduct of being established in the faith and rooted and built up in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It should be a natural byproduct. And I really believe evidence of salvation as well. It should be a you know fruit of that. So Colossians 4.2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And then Revelation 7.12, saying amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. So just some kind of positive verses there to, to, to start things out, to kind of put things into perspective, cover a little different you know subject than we we have in some recent teachings. So let's go right into the uh, study for today. And this is by Michael 
Snyder, and it's entitled, Did We Just Witness the Last Great Black Friday Celebration of American Materialism? With a question mark. Americans are going to spend more than $60 billion this Christmas season. And on Friday, we got to see our fellow citizens fight each other like rabid dogs over foreign-made flat-screen televisions and Barbie dolls. Now, there's literal specific examples in the news. And actually, if you click on the link for this report, they were literally like the one guy. (laughs) I just heard this more the full story. They evidently... Some lady and a guy got in a fight over a Barbie doll and she hit him or whatever. And the cops had to come. And then you have these people fighting over the flat screens. That seems to be the biggest thing. And I'm telling you, these TVs they're coming out with now, I I believe I put out some links in there. They're getting more and more draconian in Big Brother every single time they release a new television. They're... They can record you. They can monitor the room. They can, it's just like George Orwell, 1984, where it's it's seeing everything in, in your where you're at. So I, I would be extremely cautious about um, these new televisions. And these people are getting in. I mean, of, of the fights that I saw, most of them were over the, the big flat screens or, or the bigger flat screen televisions. So, most Americans are completely unaware of what is currently happening in the financial world. As of right now, there are deepening, deeply troubling signs that we could be on the verge of another major global financial collapse. And as I've said many, many times in the past, it's just being propped up and propped up, and it's just a matter of time before that finally happens, particularly in the United States, as the final kind of dagger in the heart of the middle class to try to destroy the middle class, which is one of the the last remaining obstacles for the New World Order being implemented. So, if the next great economic downturn does strike in 2015, that could mean that we may have just witnessed the last great Black Friday celebration of American materialism. As you read this, stock prices are approximately double the value that they should be. Margin debt is hovering near all-time record highs, and the too-big-to-fail banks are being far more reckless than they were uh, just prior to the last major stock market implosion. So many of the exact same patterns that we witnessed back in 2007 and in 2008 are repeating right now. And as you will see below, this includes a crash of the oil prices. Every year it has been my tradition to write an article about the mini riots that erupt in retail stores all around the country on Black Friday. This year things were a bit calmer because so many stores opened up on Thanksgiving itself, but there was still plenty of chaos. For example, in the video posted below, you will see women viciously fighting one another over discounted lingerie and underwear. <laughs> I'm not going to play it. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. All these fights that, that break out this, this time of year. You know, that brotherly love manifested in physical form. But instead of launching into another diatribe about how we were committing national economic suicide by buying hundreds of billions of dollars of foreign-made goods with money that we do not have, and by that he means a lot of people are buying these things on credit, you know, credit cards that are run up, you know, as far as they can go with astronomical interest payments. I think that's what he's referring to there. Uh, he, he goes on to say, I want to focus on what's coming next. The next great financial crash, which which I've been anticipating for years, is rapidly approaching. So many of the same things that happened last time are happening again, meaning back in 2007, 2008. 
As I noted above, this includes a crash in the oil price. In the months prior to the last stock market collapse, the price of oil began plummeting dramatically in the summer of 2008. This was an early warning signal that something was deeply amiss in the financial world. The oil industry has become absolutely critical to the U.S. and Canadian economies. And in recent years, the shale oil boom has been one of the only bright spots for the U.S. Well, I don't view it that way. I'm sorry, uh, because that's fracking, where they're pumping, you know, thousands of gallons of these toxic chemicals into the earth, and in order to get, and, and again, as I've stated before many, many times, they've got, they've just suppressed all of the the um, inventions that have come out, the the um, engines that can run off water. Now, that one generator that, that I talked about before, as I said, now they've moved the timetable back, now... Uh, they got flooded with orders. They're moving it back into, I believe, next year. The problem is, is I just don't believe they're going to let that that come out and become mainstream. Uh, they haven't. They, meaning Big Brother, whatever you want to refer to it as, have never let that happen. They will either kill you or buy you out. Um, water car inventor killed. Key that in in YouTube. That's just one of the guys they've they've annihilated. I've seen a whole documentary on this. Um, there's documentaries up on the on the internet how people one after another that have developed either free energy or engines that run on water or carburetors that get 400 or 500 miles to the gallon. They either end up bought off. They 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 and then what they do is they shelve the technology. They buy the patent. They shelve the technology so nobody can have access to it. Um, so that they can keep the, the the particularly the automakers can keep their cozy little relationship with the oil uh, industry because you know it's it's mutually beneficial for both. So you know I have a lot of mixed feelings about this whole thing, you know. And then you you look into fracking and, and you, <laughs> the shale oil boom. Um, there's several very good documentaries up on YouTube as well regarding this as well. I mean, you can just keep fracking exposed. And it is, it's bad news for the environment, big time. And so, he's saying the shale oil boom has been one of the only bright spots for the United States. From a monetary standpoint, I get what he's saying. But, you know, I also... No, there's a huge, huge dark side, and I have covered many aspects of that. Also, what it could do regarding triggering earthquakes, seismic, seismic activity, uh, particularly if it's done around fault lines, all of the terrible chemicals you're pumping into the ground, how that affects groundwater. You know, it's not good from that standpoint. So going further, so I wanted to throw that in there just to kind of give some balance to this. If the shale oil industry starts to fail because of lower prices, a lot of boom areas all over the nation are going to go bust really quickly, and a lot of financial institutions that were backing these projects are going to feel an immense amount of pain. The shale oil revolution simply does not work at $80 a barrel, and it certainly does not work at $70. As I write this, U.S. crude oil is sitting at about $66 a barrel due to OPEC's recent decision to not cut output. Now, they may be doing that in order to destroy the shale oil boom in the United States because they can pump oil a lot cheaper, let's say, wherever they're getting it in the Middle East than they can 
extracting it through shale. That may be being done on purpose to stifle that and destroy that industry in the United States. I, I can't be totally dogmatic. I'm saying that may be one of the reasons, because like I said, America is a huge, huge target for destruction. And anything positive in the economy, from a New World Order standpoint, needs to be stamped out. And so, I'm speculating, but that may be the case. Um, he's saying the $66 a barrel is the lowest price for the U.S. crude since September 2009. So just like we saw during the summer of 2008, crude oil prices are collapsing once again. Meaning, just prior to that uh, economic downturn, we're seeing the same things in place. This is the, the point of this article here. The most powerful oil official in Russia believes that the price of oil could fall below $60 next year. Russia's most powerful oil official, Igor Senshin, said in an interview with an Austrian newspaper that oil prices could fall below $60 by midway next year. This comes at a time when there are already a whole host of signs that the global economy is slowing down. Three of the ten largest economies on the planet have already slipped into recession. There's a link to that. And the and again, the PDF is going to be for November 11, 2014 on contendingfortruth.com. You can click on that and, and uh, follow along and click on any link that sh- if you want to know something more about a particular subject goes on to say, and the economic nightmare over in Europe just continues to get even worse. In fact, we just learned that the unemployment rate in Italy has shot above 13% for the first time ever recorded. Uh, Sorry, I had to stop there for a sec. In fact, we just learned that an unemployment rate in Italy has shot above 13% for the first time ever recorded. I don't trust those unemployment rates. Typically, they're woefully underestimated, so who knows what the real unemployment rate actually is, you know, there. In addition, it's important to remember that the real economy in the United States is in far worse shape than it was just prior to the last financial crash. Just consider these numbers. In the United States, and and again, this is why Obama was put in place. A huge reason he was put into office was to destroy and annihilate the economy of America. That's just one, and he's done it through numerous different ways. Letting, you know, the illegals flood into the border and shipping more jobs um, overseas and, and getting more people, you know, dependent on the government for for everything. And if you go on and on and on, all the ways uh, the, and the things that he has done to destroy this country, you know, on many different levels. So let's go further here. Um, just consider these numbers in the United States today: the number of payday lending locations, which is like you know, going to a loan shark, essentially, as far as the interest rates they charge, is greater than the number of McDonald's and the number of Starbucks. That's pretty significant. I mean, if they weren't making, if those places weren't being utilized, they would not be building them. In other words, supply and demand. So, (laughs) that's, that's, Wow, that's amazing. The number of payday lending locations is greater than the number of McDonald's and and Starbucks. One recent survey found that about 22% of all Americans have had to turn to the church food pantry for assistance. 
Um, this year, almost one out of every five households in the United States celebrates Thanksgiving on food stamps. Honestly, I thought it was higher than that. I think it is, but according to the statistic he's citing here. Uh, the rate of government dependence in America is, is at an all-time high, which is again, is all by design, and approximately 60% of U.S. households get more in transfer payments from the government than they pay in taxes. So again, the more people they can get dependent on the government, the less problem problems, the less pushback they will receive when they want to implement further and further draconian laws and things like this in America to take away more of our liberties. So that's the, that's the thing there. According to a report that was just released by the National Center on Family Homelessness, the number of homeless children in the U.S. has soared to an all-time uh, new high of 2.5 million. 2.5 million homeless children. Now, how many of them are legal aliens? I don't know. But that's, like, incomprehensible. If things are this bad now, what are they going to look like after the next great, great financial crash? And without a doubt, the next crash is coming. Hopefully we have a little more time of relative stability, but many experts are now urgently warning that time is quickly running out. By this time next year, Black Friday may look a whole lot different than it does today. So that that was that report. And then Dave Hodges um, put out this report on the 16th of November entitled, The Money in Your Bank Account Was Stolen. The headline is not a mistake. Yes, you can still go to the ATM and withdraw funds. You can take small amounts of cash out of the bank without the IRS seizing everything you own. Meaning, if you take huge amounts out, that, that puts up a red flag to the IRS. Okay, just so you know. However, because of new rules that went into effect this morning, your bank accounts have no insurance, and it is a matter of time until they are stolen uh, right out from under your nose. With the G20 summit coming up this weekend, now this was at the time of the writing, on November 16th, um, this G27 in Brisbane, Australia, it might be worth wondering if you can have too much money in the bank or whether you should have any money at all. As of this morning, all nations belonging to the G20, the 20 most uh, powerful nations in the world, essentially, will immediately submit and pass legislation that will fulfill a new investment program. Now, this article he wrote, this report, is heavily referenced, and the reference numbers are within the article, and at the end of the report, on the PDF for this day, you can check them if you want to know more information. So... They're, he's saying that they will, as of this morning, all nations belonging to G20 will immediately submit and pass legislation that will fulfill a new investment program. This new program creates a whole new paradigm and set of rules whereby banks will no longer recognize your deposits as money. That's pretty significant. Banks are no longer going to recognize your deposits as money. Russell Napier is declaring November 16th as the day money dies. And this constitutes today's Zero Hedge headline. According to Zero Hedge, Napier says the G20 will announce that bank deposits are just part of commercial banks' capital structure. Meaning, once you make a deposit, it's just part of the bank's capital structure. 
and also that they are far from the most senior portion of that structure, meaning there's a lot of other things that will take precedent if the bank failed. Pay close attention to attention, America. This means that following a bank failure, a bank deposit is no longer money in a way in the way banknote is um, in the way a banknote is. Right, I'm not exactly sure he's trying to convey there, but um, a, I think essentially a bank deposit is no longer money in the sense that you think it is anymore. And how much your former money will be worth when you come to make a claim for it. For reasons that will become apparent as you weave your way through this article and its conclusions, if you have 100000 in your bank account, you will, well, he's saying you will, I, I think this would be worst case scenario because this is what they're going to be insured for. But if you had 100000 in your bank and let's say we had a bank holiday, the banks failed or whatever, when you went and you finally had access to your money again, you'd have access to $1,200. And this is going to become apparent why as we go through this. So, hey, I had 100000 in the bank, I get 1200 out, what's not the like? You know? I mean, what a return on investment. And it's not even an investment, it's money in the bank. So, this is why for the past 18 months I've been telling the nation to not deposit your paychecks into the bank. The prudent thing to do is to only put enough money in the bank to pay your basic bills and do other things with the remainder of your money, such as pay off your mortgage or pay off your car loans. The Federal Reserve and the Bank of England have already rehearsed the theft of your bank accounts. Um, uh, Regulators from the United States and the United Kingdom got together in a war room to see how they will cope with the next big bank bank fails. Um, Treasury... Secretary Jack Lew and the UK Chancellor's exchequer, George Osborne, on 11, 10 of 14, ran a joint exercise simulating how they would prop up a large bank with operations of both countries that has landed itself in trouble. So in other words, they're already practicing these drills on what to do when this happens. Also taking part of the bank failure drill was federal Chair Janet Yellen and Bank of England Governor Mark Carney. And again, this is heavily referenced. Everything we're talking about here, this isn't just like conjecture and opinion. And the heads of a large number of other regulators in a meeting hosted by U.S. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So this has happened here. Um, let's go further here. The FDIC has only about $25 billion in deposit insurance fund, which is mandated by law to keep a balance equivalent only to 1.15 of insured deposits. 1.15% of insured deposits. And that's, so the FDIC has only about $25 billion in its deposit, deposit insurance fund. And that constitutes basically 1.15 of insured deposits. So in other words, if the bank failed, it would only have to end up insuring, and the way it is right now, your um, banking may only be, or whatever you have in the bank may only be insured for 1.15% of whatever you have in there. So if a banking collapse were to be near the horizon, the banksters are not going to notify you because they would not want to incite a bank run. 
with only 1.15% of all deposits being insured by the FDIC, your money would be left vulnerable and only the elite would be warned as they quietly transfer their money to a safer haven such as gold. The globalists have been moving their fiat currency holdings to gold since the spring of 2013. The price of gold was artificially manipulated by Goldman Sachs to drive down the price of gold in order to make it cheaper for the powers that be to purchase gold cheaply. And you see they know that very soon there will be no money left in the banks. The best proof that the globalists are manipulating the price of gold comes from Goldman Sachs itself, who in the spring of 2013 recommended initiating a short comics gold position. This has been going on for over 18 months. Please remember that this is the same Goldman Sachs that shorted its stocks on 9-11, um, probably prior to 9-11. This is the same Goldman Sachs that placed put options on Transocean stock the, the morning of the Gulf oil explosion. This is the same Goldman Sachs that got caught shorting the housing market in advance of the housing bubble burst. Basically, when Goldman Sachs start showing, shorting anything, we should all become apprehensive, particularly if our individual investments are anywhere in the neighborhood uh, of the commodities being impacted by the shorting. When Goldman Sachs begins to short anything, it is time to take your money and run for the hills. That time would be now. So in other words, they have a huge history of it because Goldman Sachs is just like Satan. Beside trading and bartering, if the dollar and the euro were to collapse tomorrow, what currency of exchange would be left standing? The obvious and simple answer would be primarily gold and secondarily silver. Ask yourself this question. If you knew that paper monies all around the world were to collapse, and there's nothing backing them anyway. <laughs> so, you know, there's nothing tangible. There's nothing like gold or silver backing these paper currencies. So, But if they were to officially collapse, what action would represent your best option? The obvious answer would be to dr dramatically drive down the price of gold and silver if one had had the ability to do so and then buy as much gold and silver as one possibly could. Goldman Sachs has the ability to do so by utilizing their ominous shorting strategy, and it's precisely what they have done. In other words, so that the elite primarily would buy these things up before the paper currency collapse. That's why the gold and silver prices have been manipulated so far down, or at least one of the reasons. Additionally, your bank account has been collateralized against the derivatives debt. Further, the bankruptcy reform laws stemming from the Bankruptcy Reform Act of 2005 gives the credit swap derivatives counterparties preference over all other creditors and customers of the bankrupt financial institution, including the FDI-insured depositors. This is how the G20 effectively stole your money this morning. Meaning this morning was at the time of the writing of this report. In the action taken by G20 nations, your bank account is no longer considered to be money. The bankers holding the bag on the credit swap derivatives will move to the head of the FDA, FDIC compensation line. Therefore, the regulations requiring that your money be insured by the FDIC are no longer in effect. This devaluation of money to something other than money gives what the experts call super priority, quote super priority, in terms of the line of succession from which to collect bankruptcy money. So take your money out of the bank. But do not do so until you read my next article because you could go to jail if you make a mistake. Now, you can click on the link here and I'm not sure if the next report's come out. Probably has. 
But I think what he's getting at with this one is that if you go in there and try to take out all your money all at once and you had over 10000 um, you're going to throw up red flags to the IRS. You know, because once you put it in there, you know, now you're a criminal if you try to take too much of it out. I mean, that, that's basically how you're looked at. So you have to be smart about that. And it's, and it's just not like, okay, well, I go in there and I take out 9,999 one day and then go in there the next and do another. Now it's not, not that easy either. It's red flags within certain amounts of periods of time that you can't do that. So, um, I don't know all of the particulars on that, but you can access this link, um, and then uh, on the PDF or Dave Hodge's website, the Common Sense Show, I think, too. And um, I'm sure his other reports probably already come out on this. So, yeah, definitely th- remember that as well. To make matters worse, Bank of America has conspicuously commingled their credit swap derivatives debt with your savings account. And as such, they have every r- r- legal right to use your money to cover their debt. The derivatives debt is conservatively estimated to be $1 quadrillion, which is about 16 times the entire uh, GDP of the whole planet. Even before today, your money as is as good as gone. Today's action by the, the G20 only further cements this new reality that you, your labor, and your possessions are all capital, are all slave capital to the bankers. Now remember, when Dave Hodges, whenever he puts out an article, it's always doom and gloom. We're all going to die, and it's and it actually was yesterday. We all died. We're all nice, fresh in the casket. Buried six feet under, we're all going to die, forget it. That, that's what I can't stand about the way the guy writes. There's no hope at all, you know, forget it, throw your hands up, you know, throw yourself on your sword, get your guns ready to commit mass suicide. I don't like that type of, of writing style. Because it's like, well, what about the Lord Jesus Christ? Could he intervene in your particular instance? And, and no matter how bleak or dark it looks, could he still? Yeah, he could. He created the universe. He's perfectly capable of that. So, again, I'm sorry for the tone of this, but it's how the guy writes. I think he puts out a lot of great information. But it's like a lot of great information with absolutely zero faith of what God could do mingled in. That's where I have the problem. And, and, this is the the, um, the trap you have to kind of guard against. And, and again, that's why I try to start out a lot of the studies with Bible verses and things of this nature. Keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and be aware of Satan's devices. Why? Lest he get an advantage of us. According to the Bible, don't be destroyed for lack of knowledge, according to Hosea 4.6. Because we can be. Obviously, it wouldn't have said that if we couldn't be. But also... Let's never lose sight of the Word of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ and and His divine providence, His potential um, intervention, which are things we can pray about for ourselves and others, our families, and let's never lose sight of that. Uh, so let's go further here. Um, so he's saying your value as a human being has been now monetized. We recently discovered that J.P. Morgan is in the same exact boat as Bank of America, as as well as Fargo is as well. Remember, America 
as you are driving to work tomorrow, you are doing so in order to have the privilege to earn money and give it to Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan Chase. So, I mean, I totally agree with what he says about keeping bare minimum in the bank. Um, do as much as you can do in cash. Uh, if you want to really go for it, pay for things with, with postal money orders. Things of that nature. Where, where you've got the money in possession and you're paying bills as you go. Um, these are just some things that, you know. You, and also when you do that, you're creating much less of a paper trail of your life. I mean, this is, you've got all of these programs going on in the government. Where they're trying to find out every possible little thing they can about you. Track you 24-7. I mean, the smart appliances alone can be connected in with the smart meter to monitor stuff that's going on in your house. You know, you've got all these things that Satan is devoting toward finding out about you. So don't you think that it would be wise to resist that as much as possible if that is something that is so near and dear to Satan and is getting increasingly worse by the day? Don't you think it would be kind of good to just not give in and to fight it? And the less paper trail you create, the better. The less they know about you. So I'm just saying, that's my two cents. I'll throw it out there. I know I'm giving you the right advice. Yes, it's a pain, um, you know, to kind of do that, to transition over to that. But it's not that bad, you know. It's not that bad. I mean, I know. I've done it for years. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm practicing what I preach here. So, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a matter of kind of getting used to it. And, and um, it's just a couple things that, that you can do. Um, that book by J.J. Luna, How to Be Invisible. Good place to start. There's a lot of other privacy books out there. I'm not saying that if you don't feel led to do it, then don't do it. Okay? If God's not leading you to do that, I'm just saying that these are things that you can do to, to safeguard your privacy. and um, Or at least start moving in that direction. So, in short, you do not, in short, you do not matter as of this morning, your money is not really money, and your bank account is no longer in your control. So, again, just total gloom and doom, let's just all collectively throw ourselves on our swords and throw up our hands and give up. <laughs> it's really the motto of the story here, and, and I don't ever, ever buy into that or, or espouse that, and, but... Uh, then he's saying, conclusion, before the week is over, I will be revealing how you can save some of your money. It is too late to save all of your money as the ship sailed some time ago. Um, meaning maybe just the money we've lost through inflation. I'm not sure what he's getting at there. However, it is still possible to save much more than 1.1% that your government is going to give you as compensation. I mean, silver's like at 15-something right now. I never thought we'd see that again. It, it is it is so undervalued I could probably do a 10-part study on that alone. You know, it's way more undervalued than even gold. Traditionally, gold and silver were in a 16 to 1 ratio. You know, and we're not near that. We're not even close to that right now. And yet, silver's more of a precious commodity uh, than gold from the standpoint it is an industrial metal that is being consumed at a greater rate than it's being actually produced on a global scale, meaning what they're mining. I, and I did that that report before that the silver is going to be if they keep consuming it at the same rate it's gonna it's gonna be gone 
So, anyway, um, going further, it says, however, it is still possible to save much more than 1.1 than your government is going to give you as compensation. You know what? I'm going to put in here, uh, I have a little uh, report, PDF, on how is the best way I believe to buy gold and silver. As far from a privacy standpoint, you don't want to advertise. You don't want to create paper trails when you're buying gold and silver. Okay? Is, is all I'm going to say here. That's uh, not wise to do this. So, I'm going to insert this after this report here so that you can have this. These are things I've learned over the years. And, um, again, not the most convenient way, but, again, let's do this smart. Let, let's, let's be sensible. Let's be smart. Let's not create paper trails if we can. Let's maintain privacy and reap the fruits later of that. Instead of having, you know, somebody kick in your door and confiscate everything you have because they've got a paper trail of everything you've ever done. So, um, he go, he ends by saying, however, it is still possible to say much more than 1.1% that your government is going to give you as compensation. Meaning, if you let, if you had 100 grand in the bank, you let it collapse, it was only insured to 1.15% on FDIC insurance, they give you back, 1150 bucks for your 100,000. Yeah, that's worst case scenario. Absolutely. You know. Um, and then he said, did I mention the 401ks and your retirements are next? Anything, and I've stated this over and over and over again over the years, anything that is paper, okay, is going to be gone, most likely, in the coming economic class. Remember, this is all part of the plan. This isn't by accident. This is by design. Nothing is safe that is in paper form. 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, um, paper money that you put, even if you have your bank accounts. Nothing is safe unless you have possession of it. And the less paper trail of your possession of that, the better. Because... You know, obviously Satan is really the author of a lot of, of really all of these draconian spying, you know, monitoring you from crater to grave things that are going on right now. So the most, the, as many things as you can do to fight that, the better. So I'm going to pause it here. I'm going to, I'm going to insert that report on, on, um, my recommended ways regarding buying gold and silver. Okay, so I had extremely, a very, very hard time adding this information in, um, but I got it in there. Uh, it tells you all the differences on different types of silver you can buy, junk silver, how to spot counterfeit, this type of stuff, um, and uh, it's a very, very, it's, I, I think it's about 16 pages that I just added to the PDF just on this one subject alone regarding um, how to buy silver and gold. And um, there's some videos in here. And um, uh, why they're doing this on purpose and all this stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one here. And then we're going to go switch kind of gears to some totally different subjects. And so I'll end part one here. Um, 
and this will be on the PDF for November 30th, 2014, and we'll see you in part two. So God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Scott Johnson's 800-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G for F-O-R truth, T-R-U-T-H dot com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321, Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.